0: that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. Hey, y'all spooky season is here. And if you're looking for a show to whet your appetite for a little haunted history, So, if you're ready for a little good old-fashioned Halloween storytelling with a commitment to quality historical research, then be sure to check out Southern Gothic today. It's available now on all your favorite podcast apps. When artist Yamandu Canosa knocks on Salvador Dali's door, what happens next? Enter the world of contemporary art in a new special exhibit, now at the Dali Museum. Hi everybody and welcome to Who Did What Now, the history podcast that it's not your history class, with me, your spooky host, Katie Charlwood, scary story lover and reader of books. Hey, we are back and it is October. And you know what that means. It means we're going to delve into some spooky stuff, or some creepy stuff, or some general dark history. I haven't decided it all yet, but we're going to do it, and it's going to be fun. It is that wonderful time of year again, Gay Christmas, or as some of you may know it, Halloween. Tis the spooky season of ghosts and ghouls and creepy things, and creatures of the night, and of course... Spooky stories, horror films, scarefests, pumpkin patches. I've never been to a pumpkin patch. Ah, I want to go to a pumpkin patch. Mm. Anyway, this is my favourite time of year. It absolutely is. I love dressing up and being dramatic and going round to strangers' houses and asking them to give me something sweet. This now makes sense as to why I've made so many poor life choices. But anyway, I I don't even know if I'm doing anything for Halloween, or dressing up for Halloween, but I am ordering... Anyone, anyone wants to take me bobbing for apples, I wouldn't say no. <laughs> oh, but it is that time of year. I love Halloween. Oh, when it's like properly autumn as well, and you've got that the crunchy leaves. You know you love it. That... You can start wearing mittens and hats I look good in a hat I actually might buy a fedora Like, that is the point I'm at in my life That I think I can reclaim the fedora from the Bros. I think, yeah I am very excited this week I actually have plans You know, it's so strange for me to have plans But I have plans I'm going to Sligo Gonna go see a friend We're gonna do, like, pub and grub we're going to go get something to eat, we're going to go for a couple drinks, it's going to be fun. <laughs> Growing up is fun. Even though I am a 33-year-old woman, my mother wants me to send her my geolocation, location to her so that she knows where I am at all times. I'm like, no, mother, no. I feel like that's a level of privacy I would like to keep, thank you. Yeah, yeah. No. And because it is spooky season, I am very excited to talk about some creepy and dark stories from history. And, but everything you talk about is dark and weird because it's, your history is really full of joy. Yeah, you're not wrong. Okay, ooh, ooh, yeah. So I was going over my stats, I was having a wee nosy, and I was, you know, to see where people were listening from. And then I saw that people were listening. I have one listener. From Qatar, hello, you i I hope things are well. Who is listening to me in Qatar what I'm sorry, what <laughs> hi, um, wow, the fact that someone out there who is that far is listening to me I uh, just like I appreciate you and I am so grateful to anybody who takes the time to listen to me, talk, and tell them truly horrible tales from history. Because, let's face it most of it is not, is not pleasant. It's, it's not. But speaking of y'all, now that we are back on track and we're getting the ball moving and we're starting recording again, I keep saying we as if it isn't just me and my computer and my lack of sleep because of all the research. (sighs) Yeah, seeing as we're back on track again, you know, if, if you're new to the show, or maybe you're not new to the show, maybe you've been around for a while, and you're thinking, I don't have two and a half minutes out of my day to do stuff, why not? If the pandemic has taught us anything, time is an illusion. And I would really, really appreciate if you would just go onto Apple Podcasts and rate and review five stars and you can say anything. You can say that you like the autumn, or your favourite season, or your favourite horror movie, Or you could tell me what I should dress up as for Halloween. I would love your recommendations. But if you rate and review five stars, it just really helps boost me back up the charts. And it means we might actually get some better sound quality and stuff like that. Uh, I want to say thank you to anyone who has donated to the PayPal. It really, really helps. You have no idea. Because these last few months have been so tough. Especially since my... Building flooded, and I lost most of my business, most of the stuff, a bunch of stock. Ended up that I thought was fine, ended up being damaged. Several years worth of work and four grand, completely down the drain. So I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be able to restart my board game place anytime soon. So, but at least I was able to like get myself out the lease and not tie down to the contract and, and save. And my board game hub might not come to fruition this year, but and with everything that happened, it's just been pretty tough. People who are donating to the Patreon and the PayPal. It means that I can still produce this. It meant that I was able to pay for the hosting and that people were able to still download or listen to this. So thank you to everyone who has contributed. Uh, you have no idea how helpful you are. And I want to thank you. I don't know what you're thinking. Quit your jabber jabber in fact me, in fact you I will. But first, we have to get our source on, so let's do it. Our sources are... Vlad the Impaler, In Search of the Real Dracula, by M.J. Trull. Vlad the Impaler, The Good, The Bad and The Monstrous, by Cat Ansett. Vlad the Impaler, by Elizabeth Miller. The Reign of Dracula, in 1448, by Matai Kazakou. In Search of Dracula, by Florescu and McNally. And, of course, our favorite websites, the smithsonian dot com and biography. com. And you know what, damn it, let's we may as well reference it for Stoker's Dracula. When you think of October and the spooky season, we think of a few creatures. We have ghosts, werewolves, zombies, and of course, vampires, and the most famous vampire of all, Dracula. yes. I have watched far too many Hammer horror movies, and also Bram Stoker's Dracula, starring Winona Ryder and Kiana Reeves. Uh, I've seen that too many times. It's it's not good. It, it's it's probably warped me somehow. But we're just gonna we're just gonna live with it. I think. Yep. I want to apologise for any Romanians listening who have to listen to me pronounce things terribly. I tried, but we'll 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 see how we go on. So, the most famous vampire in the world, Bram Stoker's Count Dracula, was inspired by a man who was probably more terrifying than the legend that spawned from his existence. I'm going to put a content warning now, actually. Things are going to get very dark and very gory pretty quickly, so if if you're off-put by anything horrific, including the manners in which men, women, and children were slaughtered, probably best to skip this one. Okay? Cool. So, Vlad, young Vlad, baby Vlad, everybody Vlad, was born somewhere between 1428 and 1431 CE. We're not entirely sure when, they didn't write it down. And I know what you're thinking. Wow, we don't have an accurate birth date for a man who ruled? I know, but what else? And the thing about Vlad is, he was the second-born son, so he wasn't really that important. He had an older brother and a younger brother. If he had any sisters, I I don't know. They're they're not listed. I'm not even sure who his mother was. I did look up, but at this point, I'm not entirely sure she was named. His father, on the other hand. Vlad II of Wallachia earned the nickname, earned a new surname, Draco, because, right, because in 1431, which may or may not be the year that Vlad was born, King of Hungary inducted Daddy Vlad into the Order of the Dragon, the whole purpose of which was to keep the Ottoman Empire at bay. Now, the King of Hungary, he basically goes on and becomes the Holy Roman Emperor. It's a thing. Oh, geography time. Who doesn't love Maps and shit. Basically, areas like Transylvania and Wallachia, which are now in Romania. Romania didn't exist as a country until I think the eighteen hundreds. So at this point, it was still a bunch of territories under the rule of Hungary. So Vlad, Daddy Vlad, he was actually originally from Transylvania. Vlad the Third, Er Vlad, but Vlad the Impaler was very much based in Wallachia and never actually set foot in Transylvania. Unless he was just passing through. But these areas, these principalities, basically sat between Christian Europe and the Muslim lands of the Ottoman Empire. So Transylvania, which is like just above Wallachia, they were constantly involved in these like big, bloody battles because you've got Ottoman forces coming one way and you've got Christian crusaders coming the other. You know, there was always something going somewhere. So yeah, so Daddy Vlad, he gets... Inducted into the Order of the Dragon, a Christian military order. Who knew? So when he has the surname Dracul, Vlad the Third becomes son of Dracul, which then turns into Dracula. It's a, it's, a, it's a thing. So just in case you were wondering how the fuck they got Dracula from Vlad, there you go. Also, in sort of modern Romanian, Dracul actually means devil. So it, it kind of works in several levels. So, yeah, there's constantly these battles going back and forth, and Vlad the Second is like the prince of this principality. That's why he's a fucking prince. And Daddy Vlad is called to this diplomatic meeting in 1442 with the Sultan, with the Turkish Sultan. And apparently, it was Bring Your Kids to Work Day. So he brings little lad Vlad and his younger brother Radu. But surprise, surprise, it's a trap. So Vlad the Second and his two younger sons are arrested. All three are arrested and they're held hostage. Daddy Vlad gets released, like on the condition that he leaves his two boys behind, you know, as a as an insurance clause. Yeah, the Ottomans really wanted Daddy Vlad to behave himself with regards to this war that was going on between Hungary and Turkey. See, this is a common thing that happened in the medieval era, is someone would take the child of an enemy and raise them. And they do this for two reasons. One, so the enemy wouldn't start shit. Because, you know, one would assume you'd want your children to stay alive. And the second part is, by raising the enemy's children, by teaching, training, all this stuff, it makes them loyal to them and not their family. Or at least that was the idea behind it. It would be classic conditioning. Training and socialising the child to be part of that culture and those beliefs and and have them more aligned with you than their family, the enemy. Under the Ottomans, Little Vlad and his younger brother Radu, they get taught philosophy, science, the arts, they're having a whale of a time. They also train them to become skilled horsemen and warriors, but uh, surprisingly enough it wasn't all peaches and cream. Because although they are, you know, training them and stuff, At the end of the day, they're still prisoners. And there were occasions where Vlad was imprisoned and tortured and was no stranger to the punishments inflicted by the people who were raising him. And it was while he was being held in the Ottoman Empire that Vlad witnessed how the Ottomans impaled their enemies. Don't worry, it gets worse. While they're being held, so about five years later after they've been taken hostage, Daddy Vlad is the victim of a coup. These local warlords oust him as the ruler, take him to the swamps and assassinate him. And Daddy Vlad, he actually got off pretty lightly because his older brother Mircha, who technically should have become leader after Daddy Vlad died, ends up being tortured, blinded and buried alive. So while Vlad and his brother are treated, you know, pretty well by the standards of the time. His younger brother, he he basically went over to the Turkish side. But Vlad, Vlad wasn't really super happy about the fact that he'd been held captive and that his father and brother had been assassinated. I mean, as life events go, probably not a fun way to have things. A year later, Vlad is released and he is a man with a mission and he is looking to take back rule of Wallachia from his cousin, Vladislav II. And this is the first time he does this. Effectively, so he utilizes the connection he has and embarks on a campaign with the military support from these Ottoman governors. Everybody, shush! William Shatner has something to say. Kat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Kat and Jethro, Box of Oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the Box of Oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. Um, from northern Bulgaria. And lucky for Vlad... Vladislav wasn't actually there. He'd gone to the Balkans to fight the Ottomans. Unfortunately, this victory was short-lived because Vlad gets deposed after only two months. Because Vladislav comes back and he's got a bigger and he's got a bigger and better army. This is where history kind of gets murky. Between fourteen forty-eight and fourteen fifty-six, we have no fucking clue where Vlad is or what he was doing. All we know is that he switched sides. So instead of, you know, utilising and keeping the support from the Ottoman Empire, he turned his eyes back to Hungary. In 1456, this shit hits the fan. Constantinople falls and becomes and falls under Ottoman rule. Basically, putting the Ottoman Empire in a position to invade all of Europe. And Vlad is known as being incredibly anti-Ottoman, so he's already in the right place. And in 1956, Vlad meets Vladislav in battle and defeats him by cutting off his fucking head. Ends up being proclaimed the Vovoid of Wallachia in 1456 by the King of Hungary. And just to ensure everyone knew where he stood, the first thing he does is he stops paying an annual tribute to, to the Ottoman Sultan, which was the only thing before that kept the peace, really, between Wallachia and and the Turks. But, and that wasn't the only thing Vlad did to consolidate his power. On Easter Sunday, 1457, the 24, 25-year-old Prince Vlad III of Wallachia, he hosts a banquet on Easter Sunday. So he's throwing this big Easter celebration. He invites all the nobles of the realm, the noblemen, the boyars. He knew they would challenge his authority because, you know. And he had, and uh, he had a wee surprise waiting for them. And no, sorry, they were not going to go hunting for chocolate eggs. And while they're finishing off their meal, Vlad asks all the noblemen, all of the this boyar class, how old they were. And why have they had so many princes in their land? And that's when they knew. And the reason he asked them this particular question is because he wanted to know which of them were involved in the coup that overthrew his family leading to the deaths of his father and brother. So he takes all the noblemen outside and they are impaled. You're probably thinking they were impaled, that's pretty bad, but it's worse than you think. Generally, a stake or pike would be sharpened so that it could easily go through a body. Basically, he had two ways in which he could stake them. One of which is the Assyrian method, which usually means lowering lowering, lowering the victim sternum first onto the stake, which is a quicker death. But Vlad said, fuck this for a game of soldiers, and he decided to go with the Turkish method. But he decided to take it one step further, because instead of using a sharpened stake. he preferred them to be blunt. Generally, the stake would be pushed, and warning, this is not going to be a pleasant listening experience. While a person is still alive, they are laid on the ground, and the blunt stake or pole is pushed through the anus and slowly pushed inch by inch through the body until it comes through the mouth or the chest. And the reason that Vlad chose a blunt stake was so that it wouldn't perforate any internal organs, meaning that it could take days for the victim to die. So after they were physically impaled, the stake would be lifted up and pushed into the ground. But what about the women and children, I hear you ask? The women and children, still in their fabulous Easter attire, are seized, and he forced them in all of their finery To rebuild his fortress, his castle. And he made them work until their fine clothes fell off their body. And they were working naked. And then, as a reward, when they were finished, he impaled them too. Clearly, as Vlad notes, revenge. Like gazpacho soup, is a dish best served cold. And Vlad earns the moniker Vlad Tepes, which means Vlad the Impaler. So, under Vlad's rule... Wallachia was basically stable and orderly. That being said, he was unbelievably vicious. At one point, Saxon merchants who were once allied with the noble families who, you know, were involved in the coup, Vlad has them impaled a couple of years later, just because he can. Also, in addition, furthermore, when, when the Ottoman Turks diplomatic envoys had an audience with Vlad, they politely declined to remove their hats because of some religious custom. And Vlad the Third, he commends them for having such religious devotion and promises that their hats would forever remain on their heads by having their turbans nailed to their... nailed to their heads! So Vlad is constantly at war with the Ottomans. And he becomes this hero of the area because... He is protecting Christian Europe from from the Muslim invaders, and and all of his victories over the Ottoman invaders were celebrated through Wallachia, Transylvania, the rest of Europe. Even Pope Pius II was like, "Yep, go Vlad. You're you may be harsh, but you're getting the job done." So when Vlad is at war with the Ottoman Empire, he does two things. The first thing he does is destroy towns villages. Everything is destroyed. He captures and he makes sure to take prisoners. So he destroys the lands, the animals, everything is destroyed. And he takes the Ottoman people as prisoners. So in 1462, the Sultan, the one who actually conquered Constantinople, he invades Wallachia and he makes it all the way to Wallachia's Wallachia's capital city, Targovista. But not only is the city... But not only is the city deserted, but in front of the capital, he finds the bodies of all of the Ottoman prisoners of war, all of them impaled. I don't know how to explain the scope of this. There were thousands. There were thousands of decaying bodies that at this point were being picked apart by crows and other vermin. These were men, women and children. And there are even reports of infants pinned to their mother's chest in the forest of the impaled, and this sight was so repulsive that the invading sultan said, Fuck this for a game of soldiers, and got the hell out of Dodge and returned to Constantinople. Not long after this mass impalement of Ottoman prisoners of war, Vlad ends up forced into exile. Vlad is forced into exile in Hungary because he just can't defeat the sultan, but it wasn't all doom and gloom because. During this exile, where part of which he was imprisoned, he got married and had two kids. So he wasn't, like, doing nothing this whole time. So, I mean, I mean, that's, that's nice. So, yeah, do you remember Vlad's younger brother, Raju? He, who had been, like, totally into the Ottomans, he's governing Wallachia. While well, Vlad's imprisoned and exiled. But he dies in 1475 and a bunch of, sort of, noblemen of the area, they want Vlad back, you know? They're like, sure he impaled some people, but at least the trains ran on time. That's a... Oh, that is a very niche joke. Uh, So, with the help of Moldovia, Vlad retakes the throne a year after his brother's death. But, again, unfortunately for Vlad, this success, like his first one, is also short-lived. Because later that very year... He is marching towards, surprise, surprise, yet another battle with the Ottomans. As he's on his way there, trip-trapping along, there's an ambush, and he's beheaded. And the legend goes, and his head was taken and delivered to the Sultan in Constantinople as a trophy for him to display above the city gates. Now, what happened to the rest of his body? We don't actually know. It could be in Snagov. It could be in Comana. It could be in Bucharest or Danube or... It, we're not sure. We, we don't know where it is. It's... It's somewhere. And so ends the story. And so ends the story of Vlad the Third, Vivoida of Wallachia, otherwise known as Vlad the Impaler. So, what did we learn today? We learned that Vlad is not short for anything, nor... Was he ever actually involved in Transylvania? And that that connection was somehow made later on? And that uh, being cruel and harsh is fine as long as you get results. And no matter how many men, women or children you horrifically impale, you will still find someone willing to marry you and bear your children. Okay, okay. So that was, that was something. So if you liked Today's episode, the story, my retelling of this horrific fucking tale. Please, please go onto iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere where you can rate and review. Rate and review me five stars and say something nice, um, or don't say something nice. I don't care. Say say whatever you like. It just it just really really helps. It really helps me, and I would greatly greatly appreciate it. If you want to help keep the lights running, you can go on to you can go into my coffee. You've got PayPal, and there is and the Patreon all links are in the description down below also, in addition furthermore, uh, you can follow me on the social medias I'm on TikTok, Instagram and Facebook as Hooded what Pod. and I'm also on Twitter as Whatnowpd because there weren't enough characters allowed in the username, so I improvised and of course, let's forget oh, recommendations this week recommendations Oh, oh, also, um, don't read Bram Stoker's Dracula. It's not that good. There is a book, recommendations, actually. There is a book I am going to recommend, if you can find it, Carmilla, which is a gothic novella by an Irish author, Sheridan Le Fanu, which predates Dracula, Bram Stoker's Dracula, by like 20-something years. Honestly, I actually think it's better you should absolutely go and try and read that, or at least read about it. I think that'd be really fun. So that's our reading recommendation. Our listening recommendation. Listening recommendations. Actually, listen to Lore if you don't already. Uh, I think there's also a series on Amazon, so like that also counts as watching. Go watch that. That seems like a fun thing to do. I think I watched the first season of Lore on on Amazon Prime, but you should you should go watch that. Um, speaking of lesbian vampires, though. Don't watch Lesbian Vampire Killers. We do not need to give James Corden that kind of attention. He doesn't need it. No, thank you. But I want to thank you. But it is that time again. And I want to thank you all for listening. Oh, actually, before I go, I have snail mail as well. So I've got like, um, so if you ever want to write anything to me, I'll write you back. If you give me an address, I have a snail mail address down below if you want to send me any letters. Because penmanship is a lost art, and I'll write you back. Why not? Let's. I just do it. I think it'll be fun. Ah, uh, if you've got any kind of stories you want me to cover, I uh, feel free to like, like do to like tweet or message or email. It's all in there. But I am gonna have to go because it is getting pretty late, and I am gonna bid you adios, au revoir, au revoir, to them, my friends. Bye bye.